Hello, Steve. Hi, Jason. I hear that you're leaving. Yes, that's right. I've decided to move on from being a podcast idol, and I'm going to become a serious actor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. No. I'm super excited. I'm super excited about you it. You shouldn't be. Haven't you noticed that I've glued this whole beard on my face and put on one of your uh, baseball caps? You know, now that you mention it, you do bear a passing resemblance to me. I do, just a little bit. Hey, take a look at this uh-huh. ice pick. Oh. Toko-san. Oi, oi. Mou Toko jo nai yo. Wasureta no? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Hardy. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good, even though Steve has never heard of it and didn't watch it. <laughs> I watched it for this. Well, I, mean, I had never heard of this. it before. You had never heard of it before. And so this is your, you you hadn't seen it before. So you watched it for the very first time. That's right. I watched it for the very first time just for this show. That's right. Because he hates cartoons. I hate cartoons. <laughs> I hate Japan. Um, I hate all non-American countries, really. Oh, God. Okay, I, I, ju- I just consider it patriotism, but some people have a problem with it. Hey Steve, what movie yeah. did we watch this time around? We we are watching the classic 1997 anime feature. Uh, blue it's is nine, the most perfect. Blue is the perfect color. No, wait, that's not it. That's not it. 98, no, 98. Yeah. Sorry. We're watching uh, Betty my, Blue. We're my watching... perfect blue heaven. What fucking movie are we watching? Say it. My my blue bloody Valentine. No, God, it's but... it's perfect blue. Perfect Yay! blue. You're watching perfect blue. Yeah, the movie about blue from Blue's Clues has grown up. Yeah. And has and decided the, and to leave and children's and television and become an actress. <laughs> yep. Oh god, and it now doesn't I gotta go make, well. Now I've gotta <laughs> make that. I wish I could make that parody called Perfect Blue and it's the dog from Blue's Clues have stepped away and fucking what's the name of the guy who was on it? Steve? Was it Steve? Steve was the original Steve was the original guy, yeah. Steve yeah. is the one that's dressing up like blue and killing all those people. Hey. Well, Steve's <laughs> the one who has the most to lose. If that I mean if that <laughs> dog goes, there ain't no show, you know? That's true. Uh, hey Steve, do you have any trivia for this Japanese anime? I do have some Yay! trivia for this Japanese anime, yes. Okay. Um, so it was adapted from a novel titled Perfect Blue Complete Metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. And the the director of the film was given a very wide latitude as far as his adaptation. And apparently the deal was he was allowed to make any changes he wanted to the original story. <laughs> as long as the movie still included a pop idol as the main character and a stalker. Mm, dear God. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, and I, I'm not familiar with the novel either. I don't know how how close it is to the novel. The, yeah. I don't know how far the movie diverges from the novel, but if I was the director and they mm-hmm. and they told me you can change anything you want as long as there's a pop idol and a stalker, I'd be like, okay, this ain't gonna be nothing like the book. <laughs> <laughs> so I would imagine the director of the film was at least more faithful to the source material than I would have been given the same latitude. Sure. Um the movie is 
uh, widely admired and has influenced other prominent artists since its release. Um, it frequently appears on lists of best anime films, best animated films, period, and even best films made in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. uh, Ma Madonna used clips from it as part of the video backdrop for her stage show on her 2001 world tour. Mm -hmm. And uh, Darren Aronofsky is a fan of of the film. He uh, used it as an inspiration for uh, the bathtub scene in Requiem for a Dream. Supposedly, um, did he confirm that? Well, it's or? it's it's. Pre I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty close. It's like, close. The the next the next the the, the last piece of trivia I'm going to share is something that we talked about earlier about Black Swan and and you know that can go either way because who can tell like you know what that was a private conversation, from. Steve. But sorry, I'll, I won't share the rest of it. How dare but, you betray um, my trust? But that <laughs> but the bathtub shot is is a pretty close approximation. Sure. Um, but yeah, and and also yeah, Aronofsky made a film in 2010 that a lot of people saw called Black Swan. Mm -hmm. And there are many common elements between Black Swan and Perfect Blue. Now, I, I don't sure. think that I don't think that it's an exact match, obviously, but there are a lot of similarities like they both have uh, female protagonists who work in an artistic field, mm -hmm. a singer slash actor in Perfect Blue and a ballet dancer in Black Swan. They both have ambitions to take their career to the next level. They both endure traumatic experiences. They both have breaks from reality where they're not sure what's real and what's not. Mm -hmm. They are both uh, stalked by someone who appears to be an alternate version of themselves. Mm hmm. Um, and the character names are similar. The, the The hero of Perfect Blue is Mima and, and the hero of Black Swan is Nina. So, you know, mm -hmm. um, there is at least a, a plausible case to be made yeah. that that that, that Darren Aronofsky is a hack and that, that he's a ripoff artist. He owes, and yeah. he owes his entire career to Japanese anime. Exactly. That he's just that he's a hack and a ripoff artist. And, you know, it makes me reminds me. I, I remember I read a review, um, not a review. It was an interview with Paul Thomas Anderson back when Magnolia came out mm -hmm. and uh, the interviewer. And I guess either Paul Thomas Anderson was intentionally fucking with this guy or he was just mm -hmm. having a really bad day because one of the questions was, you know, you know, your work is a lot like Robert Altman's. You know, like Magnolia is it kind of feels like kind of an Altman-esque movie. What do you think about that? And Paul Thomas Anderson says, yeah, I guess I just ripped it off. And the interviewer was like, well, no, that's not what I meant. I just meant stylistically. And Paul Thomas, he, he interrupted him, was like, no, no, I ripped it off. You're right. I just ripped it off of Altman <laughs> because that's what I do. That's all I do. I just rip off Robert Altman. You're right. He was in a bad right. mood. That was a that's yeah. a bad mood response. <laughs> but I always think of that because it's like it's such a hilarious interview because he's just like, yeah, you're right. I guess I just ripped it off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because you so, know, there will yeah. be blood. I totally think of all of his Altman. That's totally in an that Altman movie. movie. <laughs> I'm like, did Robert Altman direct this? Yeah. Anyway, the, that's my trivia. <laughs> he knew it was a bullshit question, right? Yeah. It was a bullshit question. He happened to make and you know a a movie that has a large cast, right? No one is technically the lead, and this dumbass interviewer thought, "Oh, that's like Robert Altman who has the big ensemble like, cast." It's like uh, I, you know, I just saw Nashville last week, and it's kind of like that, right? Exactly. When he's and you know, this is his what his fourteenth interview of the day. 
And some, exactly. Some jack He's probably on the phone with this guy like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, no, Shortcuts was great. Yeah, I, I agree. I like Shortcuts a lot. Mm-hmm. He should have countered with, yeah, it's like with his other film. And then the, the interviewer would be like, you don't know any other Altman movies. <laughs> uh, okay, more trivia. Yeah. No, that's that it. everything. That's, all I got. that's oh, it. Fuck you. God damn it. It's a all cartoon right. from Japan. And in Japan, they cartoon. call cartoons anime. That's right. All right. So here's who made it. It was directed by Satoshi Kon. Who's also made a uh, Millennium Actress and uh, my personal favorite of his, Tokyo Godfathers, which is kind of a remake of Three Godfathers. Um, I actually love Tokyo Godfathers <laughs> a lot more than his other movies, but I mean, he also made uh, uh, Paprika as well, and he's dead now. He died in 2010 from uh, cancer. So oh. no more movies from him, but. Um, I mean, I've seen this is one of the I'm not a huge anime fan, but I have seen all of the movies that have just been mentioned here. Unlike Steve, right. who hates everything from Japan. I actually go, oh, that looks interesting. Uh, Tokyo Godfathers is a great movie. Um, screenplay by uh, Sadayuki Morai. Nothing. Or at least I couldn't find anything based on <laughs> Perfect Blue Complete Metaphorses by uh, Yo- Yoshikazu Takeuchi. I'm doing it produced by hitomi Naga- <laughs> uh, nakagaki uh yoshihisa ishihara uh, yutaka togo uh masao moriyama who's also done ninja stroll metropolis tokyo godfathers again and paprika and hirokai inui the other people that I mentioned are on the producing credit. They I couldn't find anything for them. I'm sure they've done something else, but I didn't find anything. Starring. Um, now, here's the thing. It actually reversed it for some reason. So instead of. Okay, so <laughs> Junko Iowa as Mima Kiryogi, or how do you spell mm-hmm. Kiryogi? Um, and she's been in like voice actors for Card Captors, Sakura, and Eva- uh, Evangelion. Um, Rika Matsumoto is Rumi, and she's been in Pokemon and Sergeant Frog, and also the Naruto series. Um, oh boy, Shinpachi. <laughs> Shinpachi Suji. Thank you. Um, as uh, Tarokoro, and he was, or she, no, it's he. I don't remember. I don't remember anything, Steve. Just finish it. <laughs> <laughs> they did They did voices of Mobile Suit Gundam and Pokemon and Akira. And then we have uh, Masaki Okura as Momoro Uchida. Uh, Yosuke Akimoto as Tejima, Yoko Shiowa as Takao, Takayo Shibuya, Takao. and they were Takao. Takao. Whatever, stop it! You're embarrassing me. Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> I'm gonna just say it wrong on purpose so you can continue to correct okay. me, Steve. Sakurago, okay. I, I wish you would. Sakurgurk as Haido Kokori Kuntorgur. And they were, come on, come on, come on, do it. Hideyuki Hori. Thank you. 
They were in Digimon. Um, Emmy Shinora as Eri Ochai, right? So far, so Ochi. good. I think that, right? that would be Ochi, but so, yeah. Whatever, Sensei. Um, <laughs> Mas- <laughs> Masachi Ibarra as Morano. Uh, Kikiyuki Yanada as director, Toro uh, Furusawa as Yada, Iniko Furukawa as Yukiko, Shino, please let this be over, she, <laughs> Shiho Niyama as Reya, and Akio Suama as Tadishi Doi. Cinematography by I love these because there's most of the time you can't find out what else they've done. But cinematography by Hisawa Shorai, edited by Harutoshi Ogada, music by Masahiro Ikumi, production company Madhouse, distributed by Rex Entertainment, release date February nineteen February twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight in Japan. Running time pardon me, I'm hiccuping, I'm drunk, everyone. Running time, 81 <laughs> minutes budget, 90 million yen, or in American money, $830,000. And box office, we only have it for the U.S. and U.K., 768000 But I'm sure it made a lot more in Japan. I'm sure it made its money back. I'm sure it's fine. And everyone in the world saw it <laughs> except for Steve. Right. And now I've seen it too. So everybody has now seen everybody it. Everybody see it. So Steve, how about you yes. and me get really creepy and stalkery? Let's let's can we move our eyes really far apart like we're almost yeah. a fish? <laughs> yeah, let's just be as creepy and weird and off-putting as possible. So like every time anybody looks mm. at us, you just go, "Oh." Yeah. Yeah. Let's me and yeah. you run into the weird weird hallucinatory world of perfect blue steve please mm-hmm. please steve please yes, yes. take it yes. away take it away so we meet our our hero who is mima who is a member of a a girl group in japan Wait. Uh, named yeah what well we have all the, the fanboys standing around talking oh right? yeah 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 they're kind of gossiping about the group and and everything else, right? Rumors about you know one of them is going to leave, or you know, um, and don't we also get the intercutting of her at the grocery store at this point too? No, not that, yet. That's that's kind of okay, um, mm-hmm. because this is part of the the overall narrative is the fan the fan base and how they talk about her and how they talk about just being you know following someone in general, right? Yeah. And we cut to her getting ready to go out on stage. It's this live event. Um, you know, they're getting their costumes together and all this other stuff. And uh, up up on stage is a live performance of what appears to be a parody of Power Rangers. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. They leave the people in the audience, which seems to be comprised completely of men. Are complaining about that. There's some. There's a like a few guys that are complaining about that specifically. And she comes out, and you know we have a flash, right? And we get the title, "Perfect Blue." Perfect Blue. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, this is when I think we start getting the intercutting, because right. it's 
her on the she's listening to her music and she's on the subway and then we cut back to the stage performance which i guess was earlier the day where they're a girl group and they are the kind of girl group that i hate from japan which i just don't i mean don't get me wrong i just don't like them um and you see it you see you guys will know it it's usually three or four girls um all singing a pop song or something like that Right. And then we cut back and she's getting her groceries, right? Yeah. And then she's walking home. And then we come back and everyone's watching them dance and choreograph and all that stuff, including a creepy weird guy whose eyes are too far yeah. apart. <laughs> yeah. And boy, get used to seeing him all the time. <laughs> Constantly without without remorse. <laughs> then we cut staring back. lifelessly ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Then we cut to her manager and I guess her agent, one of which her is agent, Rumi, yeah. one of which is is Rumi. And huh, yeah. that, that's weird. Her eyes are far apart, just like stalker guy. No, that's, that's weird. It's not, not significant. No, that's no, significant. oh no, it's not. Anyway, but they're talking about her becoming an actress. Meanwhile, in right. one of the best framed shots in this scene, we see the guy, the creepy guy, right? Yes. With his eyes fall apart. And he's angled his eyesight so that she's dancing in the palm of his hand. Right. He's holding up his hand and yeah. she's, in, she's in the palm of his hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Just great. I mean, yeah. it's it, that sh- shot. I don't know why, but it kind of reminded me of a Hitchcock shot. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, absolutely. And it's great because it tell it, it tells you what you need to know about this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, in, a second immediately like, ah, just like I got that it. yeah right yeah i got but it then there's some rowdy boys who throw something i think at them it doesn't connect but he gets up and while she is trying to make the announcement that she's stepping down from this this group called sham right yeah yeah sham 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 i don't sham. think this, we can read anything into that but they're called sham no, it's probably just a random name. Probably means something in Japanese. Probably doesn't mean anything, right? Sure. Meanwhile, the guy that was holding her in the palm of her hand goes back and starts a fight with the uh, three or four disenchanted youths. Yes. <laughs> who are there for some reason, I guess, just to get upset. They start beating the shit out of him. And then they are, then the entire crowd, because he's, they're interrupting her announcement that she's going to step down from sham. Um, they start throwing garbage at them and then they're led away, right? Yeah. Okay. And then she finally, she keeps trying to say it. They keep getting interrupted. Guy with the, is now has a bloody nose. He's beaten up. He looks at her and he recog- he recognizes her back, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, unfortunately for someone who's a little obsessive with stalkery, could not be good. Right, that no, can't be good. No. Um, but she's like, I've been with Sham for two years, and I'm gonna step down because I want to become an actress. And everyone's like, No, don't do it. Keep doing the thing we like. Mm-hmm. And some are like, Don't do it. Other people are like, Oh, it's you know, she's going through a quote unquote metamorphosis. Now we show her, and she's you know, bringing her bike home, and she lives in this fucking apartment from <laughs> from fifth element where everything's in one room <laughs> yes 
Um, but we're also cutting to her making the announcements and walking through the streets and walking past the guy who has the eyes far apart. And she gets into her hotel. No, her, not a hotel room. Her regular house. And it's just a nightmare. <laughs> I can't. I can't <laughs> imagine. You know, you're you're relatively popular. You have people who are stalking you. Shouldn't you have something a little bit more than a single room apartment with a bathroom? Shouldn't you? I would hope so. It seems not, like she's making a little money, yeah, but you would apparently hope. not. She comes in. She has a, a bunch of little tetras, neon tetras, in a mm-hmm. in a uh, a uh, fish tank. Yeah, so don't get news. attached. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing: Are they dead? <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, it, who? Yeah. They, I, I mean, mean eventually sure that way at one point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she comes home. She. You know, takes down the poster from the group that she was in, right? Then yeah. her mom call. Oh wait, no, there's she. She got a letter that she opens. It's one of them says, "Sing for us forever." Another one is like, "I always like looking into Mima's room." I've put yeah. up a link to Mima's room, and she's like, and she, "What the hell is that?" She's like, "Whatever what, that means." Yeah. What is this thing called the internet? Huh? <laughs> But then her mom calls. She's like, I'm I'm fine. I'm not about to have a psychotic episode. Don't worry about me, mom. I'll be fine. <laughs> Everything in my life is fine and always will be. Yeah. And um she gets another call and it's a man breathing heavily over the over the phone, yeah. despite the fact that someone she just found out that someone is looking through her window. She doesn't close her drapes right away. She's like, no, oh. she's like, this is probably fine. Then she gets a fax and the fax is like, you're a traitor. And it says it over and over and over again. Yeah. And she's like, huh, that's funny. But then she looks out the window and we get a shot of her closing her drapes. Right. Cut to yeah. her saying, who are you? What she's actually over and over again. What she's doing is she's now on the set of her show that she's been cast on. Where apparently she has one line. Right. right. Yeah. She plays like the sister of the murder victim. It's like a crime show, like a, like a cop show. And yeah, yeah, she has one line in one scene. Yep. And, and now she's yeah. shown the letter that she got to Rumi. And she's like, what is this internet thing? And then we get an explanation of what the internet is, which is just so fucking quaint. I can't stand yeah. it. Oh, remember when people had to have it explained to them. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway she's she's getting ready for her i guess one line on this show which is i yep. think a is it a police detective show it's yeah it seems like yeah like, like a cop show yeah, yeah it's like a cop show and then we cut one it because because the, the one of the one of the lead because we see scenes from it and one of the lead mm-hmm. characters is a guy who seems like he's a detective and yeah. the other is a woman who's like a psychologist or something yeah who i guess is working with the detective yeah mm-hmm. and so she goes out and her one line is who are you she freaks out a little bit you know before you know she's looking around and it's you know it's it's really good it's really good way of of kind of showing how nervous she is and all this other stuff meanwhile you know i think the writer and the i can't remember who else they're talking about oh we got all this fan mail and here's yours and i'm taking this one because this is for this other girl who's not even on the show yet technically 
I guess. Right. <laughs> um, but people found out she was here. Yeah. And, and her mm-hmm. agent takes that. And then and her agent also is like, you know, you should give her a bigger part in the show. Yeah. She give needs more, more than one Give line. her some more lines. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so now it's time and they're getting ready and she's practicing and then they count down and boom. Turns out the letter that was for her was a letter bomb and it blew Uh-oh. up in that guy's face. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's weird. Oh, probably should what call the cops? Nope, we, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and they'll, you know, there's fragments and blood flying all over the place. One of the fragments says the next one will be real. And she's like, right. fuck, fuck, goddamn it. Maybe I shouldn't have become an actress. So she, <laughs> so Rumi sets up the internet at her house. Yeah. Right. Wait, oh no, is she at Rumi? Is she at Rumi's place or is she at? I think Rumi goes to her place. Okay. Rumi's at her place because yeah. she's setting. Because Rumi says, "Like I can't believe you bought a computer and you don't even know how to use it." Mm-hmm. And, and so she's like, "Just show me the internet, motherfucker." And like, now we get to see, you know, internet. I think what is it? Internet? Ex- no, internet was no, it it's, navigator. It's Netscape navigator. Netscape oh, that, brings, navigator. That, that that brought me back. All all you people listening mm-hmm. who are not old people. <laughs> it just it, it there's a rush of nostalgia when i'm like oh it's uh-huh. netscape navigator and then we get to see her type in http i remember oh the old internet mm-hmm. and she Before goes to we like, ruined it and it ruined us yeah so she goes on a website that's about her and yeah you know she's kind of like ha, ha ha these people know so much you know, and she it yeah. it gradually dawns on her that someone is watching her do every fucking right. thing that she does, right? Because 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 the website is written as though she's the one writing it, and mm-hmm. she's like right, she's describing her day, and whoever yeah. is writing it is writing down shit like everything she did, every single fucking like, thing that she's done, yeah. yeah. And so, um, we keep cutting into the show, right? They're looking at, a, oh, there's a bloody victim there and all this other stuff. And, you know, her agent or the people are still trying to get her to get more, right? Yeah. Get more in the show. What else can we do to give her some more stuff? And is this when they say, oh, I know. How about a rape scene? <laughs> yeah. Because her, yeah, her agent is like really happy about it because he mm-hmm. comes into the office and she's there and he's like, hey, guess what? They wrote uh they wrote you another scene. They're gonna change your character. Your your person your character's personality is going to change mm-hmm. after you get raped. Yeah. I mean it uh, hasn't happened yet because now she's in like a magazine about the top one hundred people. We cut mm-hmm. to people buying fanzines and we see the weird wall-eyed guy in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um we do a lot of cutting around. Um because the website mentioned how she steps off of a subway train, which you thought was funny at first. Now she's actually getting off a subway train and she freaks the fuck out and runs out of the subway station. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it reminds her that someone is following her. Someone is, you know, is, is looking at her. She passes, you know, she has to walk past all these people who are so used to her being friendly, you know, so they can right. take her picture. Um, and they're like, oh, she's unfriendly now that she's an actress. You know, she's she gets changed. In, yeah. Yeah. yeah, she gets in her elevator. There's like a 
um, the guy, there's a, a post up in the elevator of the guy who beat up the wall-eyed guy, right? Saying yeah, that like, yeah. he's been put in critical condition, right? Yeah. And as she's looking out the elevator in the hallway, she sees the wall-eyed guy. And he's smiling at her. Let's stop calling him the wall-eyed guy. Let's call him what he is. Mr. Red Herring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as it happens, yes. Uh, she goes into the offices where her thing is. It turns out that the group that she broke up with, they're doing great. They're even on the charts. They're yeah. celebrating. They're doing good. They don't need her. Fuck her. Fuck her. She's done. <laughs> She's going to become an actress, right? Um, so um, I think is she walking so we cut to a scene where she's walking down the street and then someone asked her do you want to be a model and it turns out that's part of the TV show They're, they've given her some more stuff yes. right yes and that happens a few times where like mm. we we see her interacting with somebody and then like this the camera will pull back yeah. and it's a scene from from the, mm. the show yeah and from the other people that are pushed back beyond the barricade we see the wallet guy is videotaping her yes right and um you know they're talking about you know what what can she do they're giving her a script and that's when uh, that's when it's a rape scene right yeah but it's her big break it's her chance to show that she's a real actress right exactly and the uh her agent Rumi is like, no, we can't do that. This is fucking, are you fucking crazy? And yeah. Rumi says, no, I'll do it. Right? Yeah. And they even they even name drop Jodie Foster. Right? Oh, yes. yes. And they say, the oh, accused. it'll be just like Jodie. <laughs> Jodie did it. Yeah. Yo, Jodie did it. And yeah. you know what? I hate to say it, but I could, could definitely hear a scumbag producer say that. Oh, yeah. To somebody. Well, you know, Jodie yeah, Foster yeah. did it, and she won an Academy Award, and she went on to have a great, you know, a great, you know, that got her, that got her Silence of the Lambs, and for God's sake, now she's looking at her, she's Jodie Foster, and it's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she has agreed to do this, right? And Rumi is upset. Rumi is yeah. like, no, you can't possibly do that. And this is then we show her going home on the subway and she hallucinates her persona as the singer mm-hmm. telling her that I refuse to do the rape scene, right? Right, yeah. As her reflection yes. in the in the in the mirror. And yeah. Cut to super happy fun times making this fucking movie with the rape scene, right? <laughs> oh boy oh boy oh boy and she's yeah, getting ready yeah. and and there's nothing but men again once again it's a scene where there's nothing but men not quite sure what the setup was in this show that she's doing but yeah she's like i guess a stripper i don't it know it seems like she's she's supposed to be a stripper and then right. like people jump up on the stage and things hold her get down out of and, hand yeah. right yeah things get out of hand um you know and then all of a sudden a guy grabs her she falls down she's screaming and now he is raping her and it does the thing where once he's on top of her they yell cut right yeah and you're like oh yeah this is this is all fake right even the guy on top of her was like i'm so sorry she's like it's fine right yeah 
and they reset the cameras. They move the cameras around, and he's like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "I'm right." And then they start again, and then it's a horrible, horrible rape scene. And yeah. you're like, "Why are we watching this?" <laughs> this sure, this sure is going on for a while. And then they do another break, <laughs> and now, and now, um, they're, they're simulating her being raped, and everyone is great. They think this is great. I mean. There are some people like Rumi gets up and weeps and she leaves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I even there's a guy, I don't know if it's her agent or her manager or who it is, uh, but she goes to another place while this is going on. Right. She's remembering people cheering for her when she was in the 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 girl group. Right. Right. But you know what? She's going home. Guy's going to drive her home and uh, she gets back to her place, right? I'm fairly sure. And her fish are dead, right? She's like tapping on it, going, Hey, when did my fish learn how to swim sideways on their back? (laughs) Oh, she starts crying and she starts to thrash in her room. She's doing a good old Charles Foster Kane, right? Yeah, that's right, baby. Ripping all the sheets off, she collapses on the bed. She starts crying. Um, she looks up at and this is funny. She looks up into the it's a Mac, it's a Mac computer, by the way. <laughs> um, but her reflection is that of her persona as the singer, yeah, telling her, you know, it was the pits, but you know, she throws a pillow at it. And here's the funny thing we cut back to the um aquarium and there are living fish in it very briefly did you notice that yeah i didn't notice that no yeah so now we got Lazy back animators. to animators <laughs> wall-eyed guy i think it's easier to animate dead fish than it is a life that's fish, true yeah, yeah, that, that, that's that's a good point um but we cut to wall-eyed guy and he is in it's a weird scene where he's like talking in her voice and his room is dark and there's nothing but pictures of her all over the place. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. And he's uh, at his computer. And at first we're kind of, at first we're sort of led to believe that maybe he's the one doing the website. Yeah. 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 So yeah. now we cut to her giving interviews and now she's in the magazine and everyone's talking about it. She's doing more interviews and more of these, again, men are reading her stuff, right? Um, unfortunately, it looks like Wallet Guy isn't terribly happy about the whole thing. <laughs> no, no, he does not approve of, of the direction that her career is taking. Mm-hmm. No. Meanwhile, she's back on um um she's back online and she's reading stuff, and one of the quotes is everyone is forcing me to do it. It's all the screenwriter's fault, right? Right. Um and and she's like, I didn't write this. And then, of <laughs> course, she hallucinates again where her singer perform, uh, persona tells her, no, I did. And you're a filthy woman and you're gross and I hate you. Yeah, I everybody hate you hates and you're you gross. now. Yeah, that's right. Remember when you were a singer and guys would just masturbate in private. But then all of a sudden she's <laughs> in her room, right? Yeah. She is, you know, that's her as the singer perform, uh, as the singer persona is in her room. And then she jumps off the ledge and she watches her hop down the road. Right. Yeah. 
And at some point, you should probably say, okay, I'm crazy now. Yeah, right? I need to see a doctor immediately. But we cut to the writer. And the writer pulls into his parking spot, and he sees taped up on his parking spot uh, the word "double bind," which is the name of the TV show that they're doing. The show, right? yeah, yeah. And there's and like also, blood all over. There's it too, blood all yeah. over it. But he goes, oh, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> People are really bad at, at picking up on warning signs in this movie, aren't they? <laughs> he does. He does stop in the garage and say, "Hey, whoever's following me, you better fuck off." And he goes to the elevator. And he keeps hearing the music, and it's the music from the girl group, right? From Cham yeah. or yes. Sham. Yeah. Uh, elevator opens, and it's a boombox playing mm-hmm. it. And they're like, "Oh, good. Well, that was that was that was bad." And then you get to the fifth floor, and he has no eyeballs. <laughs> yep, he's dead. Uh oh, he's dead. He he's a, dead he, in he the elevator. He had an uh oh on the way up. He had yes, an uh oh on the way up. Yeah. So now he's dead, and we. Again, we cut to more of the guys all reading about what happened to the dude. Okay. Right. And now we get creepy guy, once again, red hair, Mr. Red Herring, um, filming some stuff. Um, people are at talking to him about there was a letter bomb and now this guy's been murdered. And I said, Oh, don't worry about it, you'll be fine. She looks out the window of the car that she's being driven in, and she sees, once again, the singer-performer persona, another hallucination. You really need to check yourself into into a place right now. You need to do it (laughs) now. Okay? You're seeing things during the day. You You need to stop. Okay? But now she's at a photo shoot, right, Steve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a photographer who has a reputation for making girls take it off. And does she take it off? Uh-huh. Yeah, she does. She sure does. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, someone must have con- tried to convince her that it was a good idea. Meanwhile, Red Herring <laughs> it's is, artistic. Video- is videotaping Sham, who's now only two girls. Right. And um, then we cut back to um, we cut back to uh, Mima, and she's now once again being criticized by her singer persona. Uh, we cut back to Sham performing, and uh, Red Herring is now hallucinating her back in the group, right? Right, right. He sees her up on stage with the other girls, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and we're like, okay. So he's got like, he. we're being set up, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're just being set up. All right. Now we cut back to even more stuff online. Her whole room is a mess. She's now in the bathtub that Darren Aronofsky steals from, and she screams bastards in the water. Now we cut to all of the nude shots that she's made, right? These quick cuts because they're in a magazine. Um, And... uh, Red Herring doesn't like that very much, does he? No, no. He buy he apparently buys every copy of the magazine that this and, newsstand has, and we, we um, cut to yeah. him in his apartment, and they're all mm-hmm. piled up on, and and he's not looking at him like he doesn't like it. He's like, no, she shouldn't have done this, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, that, or she would never do such a thing. It's an imposter, right? Oh, that's and yes, then, like, that's where this idea comes in. Yeah, there because the 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 mm-hmm. whoever is doing the website is calling herself the real Mima and she's apparently communicating with him 
and saying yeah. like, yeah, that wasn't really me who took those pictures. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. he's he's talking to somebody else. He's talking to another person online. Meanwhile, yes. all the pictures come alive and it reassure him that that was not her and what are we going to do and all this other stuff. Right? Right. And like, you're the only one. And he hallucinates her in her singer persona in her room, in his right. room, hugging him. Right? Mm-hmm. So now we cut to another scene. Well, apparently they're giving her tons of stuff in this in this show now, right? With all the yeah. docks and it's raining and we cut away. And now, okay, so here's the thing. Several times during this, she sees red herring, right? Right. She sees red herring. And then when she looks again, red herring is gone. He's gone. Yeah. Right. So, is Red Herring real? Do we get a we get an answer on whether or not he's real? I mean, I assume that he was real. I assume that given, he is give, a combination but, of things. Yeah. I think he's a real person who's a little creepy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that she's convinced that he's the one that is being, you know, that's being creepy with her. So she's now starting right. to hallucinate him. Uh, yeah, I think some of the times when we see him, he may not really be there. It may not be yeah. actually him, right? Right. This is when we get into the lynchy stuff. This is yeah. the lynchy part of this of this of this cartoon show, right? Right. Um. So she goes in. She sees the group. They're talking. She starts chasing the you know the singer persona again. Um. She's trying to because now you're just batshit crazy. You're chasing something that's not there. Right. She, right. She, she's knocking people over and mm-hmm. you know. and chasing her out to the street and to the rain and all this other stuff. And it's like, lady, lady, do you know what you're doing? She Get almost gets help. hit. Yeah. She almost gets hit by a car and then she wakes up. Yeah. Was that a dream? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows if that was a dream? Then she goes back to Rumi's house, to Rumi, right? Mm-hmm. And Rumi's like, you've matured, blah, blah, blah. I'm totally not the person that's doing this to you. I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> Definitely not me, if you're suspecting that. That's right. Um, and now she's she's finding it hard to tell the difference between reality and illusion. Um, we cut again to the show where now she's fucking up. And they're having to do retakes. She sees again, she sees red herring. Yeah. And now we're starting to question what is actually going on because then she wakes up again in the same position. Yeah. And she has the same scene with Rumi that she just had. Well, yeah. 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 And now we're starting to question everything that's going on. Is this just she's crazy? Then she, um, uh, holds a teacup too hard and it shatters in her hand and she's bleeding. So now we're getting oh, what happens next? It was I think we cut back to the show again where they're talking about you know basically what's going on in the show that she's doing is starting to mirror what's happened. They're start it's like they're commenting on what's going on in the show, right? That someone right. that someone has an illusion and all this other stuff, and, and but, her character assumed someone else's identity and right. Uh, 
So now we go to the photographer who took all those dirty pictures. He's ordered a pizza, and the person who delivered the pizza um, kills him a lot. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, listen, it is so important to tip your delivery person because <laughs> right. they will come back and they will get it one way or the other. So this person has an ice pick and they kill the shit out of him. Oh boy, they yeah, yes, they do. They kill him a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And while cutting to the pictures that he took and all this other stuff as they kill them, and it is what we are shown is that it is um Mima who's doing it. Yes, right? Yes. Mima is the one, but then she wakes up again in the same place. Same position, so yeah, same exactly. position. Yeah. And but this time when she wakes up, they, she answers the phone and it's like, nope, dude's dead. Dude's very dead. Dead, dead, dead. Killed with an ice pick. Dead. And she's like, OK, did I do that? But she opens up a bag. <laughs> no, she opens up her closet. There's a bag in there and it's got bloody clothes in it. And she's like, right? oh, this isn't good. <laughs> did I did I kill that guy? I couldn't have killed that guy. That's impossible. I'm just going to put on some jeans. I'm going to leave the house. But as soon as she opens the door, what's going on? Everybody, there's a bunch of reporters. Oh, that are yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, do you have any uh, news about the second person that's associated with your show that's <laughs> dead now? You didn't kill him, did you? You can mm. tell us if you did. It's okay if you did do it. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay if somehow, you did. Somehow she gets to the gets to the set. Rumi's trying to comfort her. You know, they're doing a scene in which she's fucking murdered somebody. Yeah. With a goddamn ice pick, she yeah. hallucinates that it's the she hallucinates that it's the photographer. She faints and then she wakes up again in the apartment. Same shot, same, same basically, yeah. same basic thing. And now she's just like cutting through all sorts. I mean, she then goes to another scene. I think where she's acting against. It's no, it's the show, and they're saying she right. has you know. Uh, personality. She has a personality disorder. I can't right. remember the, the uh, dissociative identity. Dissociative disorder. identity disorder. Yeah. yeah. And but remember, this is the show. It's not the actual thing, yeah. but you can't help but wonder. Okay, is this what's actually going well, and, on in real life? And again, they, or... and again, the the movie does that thing that it does a few times, where it intentionally blurs the line, where yeah, you, the scene starts and you don't know if it's a scene from the show or a scene from mm -hmm. her real life. Yeah. And they then they do a shot twice, right? They do this weird shot twice where she says two different things at the end. She's like, yes, I am an act. I think it's, what is it? Yes, I am an actress. And yes, I am a, a role model. Everyone's clapping after she's done it, right? Everyone's mm -hmm. happy and clapping and whatever. And then she spins around in a circle. And then it's like she woke up in the hallway, with the other two people she's kind of like opens her eyes and she's with her agent and she's with i guess her manager mm -hmm. she's walking down the hallway and she runs into her co-star and then walking down the hallway is who steve oh uh, the the red herring guy the red herring <laughs> guy right yeah um meanwhile you have Rumi downstairs um with i guess her manager meanwhile upstairs yeah. She is being attacked by Red Herring Guy, right? Yes. Okay. And Red Herring Guy is upset because she isn't the person. She's not the singer anymore, right? And that right. he feels that 
she's allowing that screenwriter and the photographer, he blames this, the screenwriter for the rape scene and the photographer for her posing nude. And now it's time he's going to rape her. She kicks him off um, and runs away. And he's with the stabby stab, right? Yes, yes, yes. Right. And um, we think, oh, shit. Okay, it turns out it is him all along. He's binding her up. He's getting ready to do the gross thing, and she hits him on the head, right? Yeah, she hits him with a hammer, yeah. With a hammer. He goes, ow, yeah. and then he falls down. In the same place where in the TV show, someone had been killed and passed and is passed out, yeah. right? Yeah. She's looking down at the body, and then there's applause. And Rumi is now looking around for her, and she finds her. And she's like, I killed a guy, and they go back, and there's nobody there. Right? Right. So now we don't know if any of this has happened. Right? We don't know if Red Herring was actually there or if she hallucinated the whole thing. But she then passes out and wakes up in her room. Totally her room. (laughs) Definitely her room, yes. 100% 100% her real That's room. Right. Totally her room. And Rumi yeah. is there and she's helping her. But then, what is it? She tries to call her manager and it turns out, uh-oh, he's dead along with along with Red Herring. They're yeah. both dead. Okay. We see their bodies like being dragged into a room or something. No, yeah. they're both. Yeah. You see one fall over. Onto that's the other. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So she's looking around her room and she opens up the window and, uh-oh, what's wrong? It's not it's, her room. It's just it's, a set. It's no, it's not a set. It's Rumi's room. And oh, that's right. Yeah, made her she room. opens the window and the and the view is different. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And to yeah. be exactly like, um, exactly like uh, Mima's room, right? Yeah. And she's like, "This is my room." This and, is okay. Yeah. And so now we finally we finally get it. Um. Because coming out in this red dress and and gloves is Rumi. And Rumi is dressed up like her. But we keep seeing, we only see Rumi dressed up as her in a reflection, right? Right. We all, usually we see, it looks like Mima. Yeah. In her singer. Mima as her. And what's her beef? Uh, What's Rumi's beef? Mima ruined Mm-hmm. Mima ruined her image. She ruined yeah. her image uh, by doing yeah. all of that stuff, by doing the rape thing yeah. and leaving, you know, um, doing all that stuff. And then it's ice pick time, right? <laughs> yes, it is fucking ice pick time. Yeah. And so Rumi gets on top of her and she kind of metamorphoses from being, um, from being, um, Mima into being roomy while she's choking while they're choking each other she does stab her but then she gets out onto the balcony and she's now being chased most of the time that we see her she doesn't look like roomy she looks like um she looks like mima Mima. um because mima is still hallucinating right it's almost as if it's almost as if Rumi has superpowers because she is still seeing Rumi as herself, right? Right, right. So 
she manages to get the ice pick out of her hands, but then she picks up an umbrella and now she's chasing her. And, you know, she's trying to convince Rumi to wake up. And Rumi's like, no, you're, you need to wake up. And she's like, no, you need to wake up. And, <laughs> you know, they get out there and she stabs her with the umbrella in the side. Yeah. And, um, you know, she sees herself. Because now, because she's being, she's just as confused as everyone else. Rumi comes up and she's like, you got to die. And then I'm going to be the pop idol. And she rips her wig off. Right. Right. And she freaks out. And when she's reaching for the wig, because she just broke a window. And when she's reaching for the wig, she impales herself on the broken glass. On the glass. Yeah. She stumbles out into the street. And she sees the oncoming headlights of a truck, which she interprets as being the spotlight. And she's about to get hit by the truck. But then, you know, Mima jumps jumps in front of her and saves her life. Yeah, pushes right? her out of the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The end. No. <laughs> well, almost. <laughs> almost the end. Almost. Cut to a loony bin. And... um we see that Mima has brought flowers to Rumi, who is, you know, the doctor's there. And it says, this is very nice. I know that you're busy to come and visit her. Every once in a while, she'll go into the, you know, the other persona, the Rumi persona. Um, and we see, you know, Rumi looking into a reflection of herself, holding some flowers that have been given to her by Mima. Right. And she's still seeing the reflection of, of, of Mima in her reflection. She leaves. There's a couple of nurses that are like, there's no way that can be Mima Karui. That's impossible. Why would she be yeah. here? Must be right? an imposter. Must be an imposter. Yeah. Get it? Get it, audience? <laughs> <laughs> she gets in her car. She looks in the rearview mirror and she says, no, I'm real. The end. <laughs> That's the end. So, Steve. Yes, sir. How do you feel about this psychological thriller, because that's what it is. That mm-hmm. honestly is probably better than any psychological thriller that's been been released in the United States in the last thirty years. <laughs> um, how do you feel about Perfect Blue? Yeah, the first thought that I had after I watched it, and I've I've had this thought about Japanese animation a couple of times, mm-hmm. is uh, Western animation doesn't really make movies like this no they don't which is which is a shame uh I, here's another know, thought i had in regards to that yeah western films don't hasn't made a movie like this that's true it's been a while since yeah since at least on the mainstream yeah i mean um but yeah like western animation that is aimed at adults is almost entirely comedy mm-hmm. um there really aren't adult oriented animated dramas or thrillers or things like that Mm -hmm. Uh, so like this kind of movie just isn't being made in the united states and never really has been um what hollywood would make a movie about an actress having a psychotic episode that's not good we wouldn't no while being stalked and also (laughs) you know victimized and exploited we couldn't tell that story about hollywood no for one thing, that's just it just never happens ever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
as far as the plot goes, mm-hmm. it's fairly standard psychological thriller stuff. You know, mm-hmm. split personality, stalker, killings, possible red, memory loss. Red herrings. Red herrings, yeah. Break with reality. Um, but it's really, really well executed. It's, it's you know, it's reminiscent sometimes of Hitchcock um, mm-hmm. and David Lynch, as you pointed out as well. I think what sets it apart, what makes it better than those similar movies you know that are like the sort of because there's so many movies where it's like it's the psychological thriller and the twist is that it's like somebody with a split personality or you know Mm -hmm. somebody who's pretending to be somebody else or somebody who's obsessed with somebody else like that those kinds of it's a norm it's a norman it's a norman bates ending norman bates is a good is probably yeah i mean it so those sorts of plots are a dime a dozen but what sets the movie apart and lifts it above those is that this movie seems really interested in its themes Mm -hmm. you know the the plot isn't just there for you know to to provide suspense or to scare you or to shock you it gives the movie the opportunity to explore ideas about identity Mm -hmm. you know who is mima how closely tied in is her identity with her her role as a singer? And when she decides to walk away from that and become an actress, like does that, you know, it changes the perception of who she is by her fans. Mm-hmm. And does that also change who she perceives herself to be? You know, it, it deals with the trappings of celebrity and um, it deals with ideas relating to ambition mm-hmm. and the compromises that people are forced to live with in order to follow their ambitions um mm-hmm. it deals with the uh, the degrading treatment of women and the sexualization of women in mm-hmm. the media in the movies and you know things like that you get the the sense of like art and life bleeding together so you can't really tell one from the other and and it deals with uh in a way that feels really prescient considering (laughs) that this movie was made in 1998 with Mm -hmm. toxic fandom oh yeah and with you know people feeling a sense of ownership over this person and feeling like well she well she's changing careers i wasn't consulted you know Mm -hmm. uh like that's a really big part of the movie and the and a big part of what the movie is actually about so it Mm -hmm. doesn't it takes that that thriller plot and that you know dual identity multiple personality trope and uses it as an opportunity to make a movie that's actually about all of these different ideas in a meaningful Mm -hmm. ways and that and that and you know that that lifts it above that standard issue thriller plot Mm -hmm. um and you know, and some of the reversals that that they throw in are really well done. Like mm-hmm. you know, the 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 red herring guy. You know, I mean, you kind of because he is drawn the way he is, mm-hmm. and he just looks so evil and off putting every time mm-hmm. you see him. You kind of expect that it, it the movie is not going to be that straightforward. Like, okay, it can't just be this guy, right? Because this guy mm-hmm. is is obviously evil from the moment you see him. Right. It can't just be it's this guy fucking with her. And it's not. I mean, he's a part of it, but it's not. Um, mm-hmm. So the movie is smart enough to to sort of set to give you a setup and then say, OK, but it's obviously not this guy. Right. And then and it's Rumi and Rumi is a fairly obvious culprit as well. But they make they 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 do something really interesting with her where because Rumi is a former pop idol as well. 
Mm -hmm. um, we're told that like, you know, however many years ago, like she was kind of in Mima's same situation and her career never took off. And now she's a manager and now she mm -hmm. works with the agency. And so for most of the movie, when we see Rumi expressing concern over Mima or advising her not to do things or being very skeptical about her career choices or being, you know, really upset at watching the filming of the rape scene or being really dubious about her going to take pictures with this photographer. Like you sort of interpret that as well. Rumi has been here before mm -hmm. this has, you know, this is like a thing that she's gone through in her life. And now she's being protective of Mima because she doesn't want Mima to go through the same things that she's gone through. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out at the end, oh, no, that wasn't it at all. <laughs> she has she has so identified herself with Mima mm -hmm. that she is so she's the one who is attached to Mima's image as a pop idol and does not want to see her change from that to the point that, you know, she has become her in her own mind. So it's a really clever reversal where you give you set Rumi up as like, oh, she, you know, she's gone down this road before and she really is trying to protect Mima. And then it's like, oh, no, she is like the ultimate personification of the toxic fan who mm -hmm. has decided that, no, you can't make this decision. You can't do this. I decide what you do. You know, you're going to be the same way you always were because that's the way I like you. Um, so I, you know, so it's. I, it's it's a really good movie and it's it's beautifully drawn and beautifully animated mm -hmm. really well executed on a technical level and a visual level as well as you know the way it's written and the way the story is told it's mm -hmm. engaging it's artful like i really like it i like it so much i hesitate to say i don't really get the argument that it's one of the greatest films ever made i'm sorry <laughs> like i i i, I don't want to i don't want to take anything away from it because i really liked it Mm -hmm. And it was very impressive in a lot of ways. And you're right. It is better than most live action movies that deal with these same kinds of tropes and plot. Well, lines. I like mean, my main has... argument is, is we yeah. don't have we don't the, the the issues that are covered in Perfect Blue. We haven't made an American movie about it because God forbid we ever do a movie that portrays Hollywood in a negative light or fame in right. a negative light. Yeah. Right. We have yeah, and... we've covered this before when we did Sunset Boulevard and we did other things. You know, it's like. It's always uh, on the individual when we do these quote unquote right Hollywood right. stories. It's some failing in in the usually actresses um psychology that is right. caused she's crazy. Wrong. Yeah. She's crazy or she's done, you know, whatever. Or um, or she got too attached to being a star and then when she wasn't one anymore, she couldn't handle it. And, yeah, you know. and they flipped out. But I you know, we haven't had a movie like like this that explored the darker part of becoming famous, right? Or changing careers. I mean, could you imagine if we had made this movie and it was like I won't say Lady Gaga. Let's let's use um uh what's her face? Um shit uh hannah montana right okay oh yeah uh yeah hillary duff yeah or not, not hillary, Hil duff. Not Fucking, hillary uh, duff uh, uh, it's uh, what's her name miley cyrus miley, miley cyrus. cyrus okay let's take let, i'm let, old i'm an old man i, know. I can't remember i can't so, keep these well, was, i couldn't remember her name either so it doesn't matter but yeah. let's take miley cyrus yeah. she was a kid actor on a kid show right yeah and then to break out of that all of a sudden she was nude all over every place Right. She was new to everyone. Yeah, she she overcorrected for, for a couple of years. 
Well, I mean, it, it, well, one of the yeah. things I admire about her was it was her her decision and what she wanted to do. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So let's absolutely. say we we take it correct. We we made a movie in which you had a child star who was also happened to be a singer, and they wanted to break out and do more mature stuff. And then some people got upset about it and tried to kill her. On top of the idea that, you know, um, Hollywood is offering, hey, you need to do a porn scene, you need to do a nude scene, you need to do a sex scene, right. you need to do this, you need to. We don't do that because Hollywood will never make a movie about itself that is that bad. That will literally, I mean, how many, hey, Steve, how many movies about Hollywood have we heard about all of these fucking child molesters? How many? Oh, I, I don't about, think there have been any. How about none? Any. How yeah. about zero? Right. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing, because who's going to green light the movie? Exactly. You know, what which I mean, child molester is going to yeah. green light the child molester movie? <laughs> which child molester is going to say, yes, let's make a movie exposing all the child molesters in Hollywood? I mean, um, they've made and yeah, that one yeah. movie about the people with uh what what's his fuck from uh oh, forget it, my brain oh, is Wein- gone. Weinstein. Weinstein, right. There's that yeah, one movie yeah. about Weinstein, and I guess Hollywood could feel better about itself since it made a yeah. kind of movie, they, but yeah. it wasn't without yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the thing about this is because, yeah, Rumi ends up being the villain and Rumi is sort of like a failed pop idol. But I think the movie makes it pretty clear that Rumi is a product of that system. Yes. Like Rumi didn't Rumi didn't just up and go crazy one day Mm -hmm. because she didn't make it. She had a lot of help. (laughs) <laughs> she was made by the same system that is mm-hmm. affecting Mima. And that, and because that's why we see so much of it in Mima's story. That's why we see mm-hmm. all of these external factors acting on her, you know, mm-hmm. telling her you have to do a rape scene. You have to do a nude scene. You have to take these pictures, you know, and we see like you, you've pointed out a couple of times, like we all of the fans we see are men. Mm-hmm. Um you know, all of the people that seem overly obsessed with her or overly attached to her, with the exception of Rumi, mm-hmm. uh, that isn't revealed until the almost the very end. They're all guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you just you see what a what a corrosive environment this is and what an exploitative environment this is for mm-hmm. people in Mima's situation. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's really, really well done. And mm-hmm. I, I I hesitate to say I don't really get the argument for greatest movie of all time from it. Uh, uh, I just every, I don't think you know what Steve, I don't think it's but every, but it's, it's everybody yeah. has a different greatest movie of all time. I know, and and yeah, but I, it's because you know I had never I had not heard of the movie before you said we're doing this next, and then yeah. I had not watched it until I watched it for this. And before I watched it, you know, I looked up the Wikipedia and kind of you know read up on it a little bit, mm-hmm. and I saw like, oh, it's you know people say it's one of the greatest animes ever made, and people mm-hmm. say it's one of the great films of the '90s. And and again, like I watched it, I thought it was excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I can't really think of a bad thing to say about it. It was terrific, mm-hmm. but like greatest of all time i uh, know i don't think i just i really don't see that um but i don't i don't mean to to say that to you know mm-hmm. to take anything away from it at all because i think it's excellent i agree um, that it's one yeah. of the best movies yeah. of the 90s i really do um because hollywood is shit hollywood's just shit <laughs> i mean no honestly hollywood hollywood is so scared of this subject matter that they never make it right this movie this did yeah we have not had a movie of someone who's been brought into the Hollywood system and gets ground down, right? We haven't right. had that. 
the closest we got, and this is something that I'm going to be bringing up, is Mulholland Drive. Right? Mulholland yes. Drive oh, yeah. and, and this movie share a lot of DNA. Right? Mulholland Drive was, if you wanted to step back from it, it was about Hollywood grinding someone down to the point yeah. that they commit suicide. Uh, which is, you know, not something I don't think I may have very many Hollywood studios are really interested in telling that story at all. And here comes Perfect Blue, which is telling this story about here is the inherent dangers of the type of lifestyle that a lot of actresses have. You know, the I have zero doubt in this Internet age that there is a single actor or actress, regardless of their fame level. That doesn't get the sickest fucking shit. Oh God! Sent yeah. to them and I'm emailed sure. to them, and I'm sure you know. I you know maybe you know it's possible that it's the same for men, right? I'm sure it's probably the same for men, but I haven't seen it. I can go onto YouTube right now and read some of the sickest fucking shit, um, making comments about women. Don't really see it all that much about men. Um. Yeah, I think there's definitely an imbalance. I mean, yeah, you're right. I'm sure there are guys who get that kind who get of that kind too, of that kind of bullshit. Yeah. yeah, but it seems way, way, you know, off, mm-hmm. you know, on the other side. Yeah, and we literally have instances in the United States of stalkers killing actresses. Mm-hmm. When was the last time we had a stalker kill an actor? Yeah, stalkers don't kill actors. They they break into their houses and 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 eat their food and they eat their you know, food like or use, do whatever. Use their kitchen. Yeah. Every once in a while, there may be a woman that's that like takes it too far and gets arrested. Right. Right. But I mean, for the most part, in the United States, we have several actresses that have been killed by their stalkers. Yeah. And you know that's kind of i'm a little disappointed because it turned out to be a crazy woman that's associated with her and not an actual stalker right Mm -hmm. and part of this is i'm not completely certain if red herring actually did attack her and i think it's quite possible that he did and she did kill him she hit Mm -hmm. him on oh no or she hit him on the head and he passed out and then Rumi came along and dragged his body away right that's kind of what I assumed when I watched it. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. But um, given how it plays with what's real and what's not, you know, we don't know. We don't know yeah, what's, really what's real for sure. Yeah. Um, but it kind of is like that kind of paranoia that I could be sexually assaulted, that I could be killed and said, you know, that that there are some people out there that have gone way too fucking psycho. Right. Yeah. Um, and we don't do it we don't i mean hollywood doesn't it's almost as if anything dark about hollywood never ever ever gets made mm-hmm. and we know that the underbelly of of hollywood is so fucking dark and gross and awful and they will never ever ever make a movie about it i i bet there's probably people who wanted to right oh i'm sure well but keep think about this too it's not just i mean it's mostly that the studios don't want to make these kinds of movies because it reflects poorly on the system that they exist in. Mm-hmm. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of people in the audience who don't want to hear it either. No, you know, there they are don't. a lot they of, wanna... are, 
there are a lot of fans who are kind of who are like there. I mean, there are a lot of fans who are exactly like the fans in this movie. And there are also fans who are you know, maybe not quite that far gone, but who want to believe that, you know, their favorite singers or their favorite actors are happy mm-hmm. and have nice lives. And, you know, if they follow them on Instagram, they want to see their nice house and their cool friends and they want to mm-hmm. see them go on nice vacations and have this fantasy that, you know, they all have wonderful lives and everything is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And, and for some of them, that's probably true. But for a lot of them, it's probably not true at all. And they don't want to hear about the stories of, you know, how awful the entertainment industry is, especially uh-huh. when you are a young person trying to make your name and trying to claw your way up the ladder. Like they don't want to hear about how awful mm-hmm. and exploitative it is. I mean, it, take a look at right now. There is apparently an outbreak of fans fucking throwing things at performers. Yeah. When they're on, on stage. tour. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. I would and walk off them... and say no fucking <laughs> refunds for anybody. Shows fucking over. Right, exactly. But I mean, can you imagine being a performer in the United States now that hits a certain level of fame? Right. Yeah. I w- I would think, oh shit, I have an X on my, I have, I've got a mark on me. Yeah. Yeah. Because any one of these motherfuckers who walk you. up, right? Exactly. That any one of these motherfuckers can walk up and just fucking go off. Yeah. Right. And can you imagine? I mean, no wonder, you know, they have bodyguards and they have these, you know, huge fences around their houses because they have yeah. to. Yeah. You know, they, they can't go to the grocery store. They can't. And then you hear people go, well, they don't live like normal people. How the fuck could they in exactly. this day and age once you reach a one certain of level the, of fame? One of the things I wish I could convince people of is just if you if you if you see a celebrity in the wild leave them alone leave them alone mm-hmm. don't don't go up leave them do not approach them do not say a fucking thing to them mm-hmm. i mean i mean there cuz you know like look if you're talking about if if there's a particular celebrity who has like who has made it widely known that they that they don't mind being approached, and if they go mm-hmm. out of there and say, "Oh, look, if you see me in the grocery store, oh, I love talking to fans. Come on up." That's most people don't say that. If you if you know for a fact that they have invited that kind of interaction, okay. But mm-hmm. most people, most famous people, don't do that. So if you're if you see you know fucking Keanu Reeves in the grocery store, mm-hmm. even though you know like, oh, I've seen pictures of him with fans and he's really cool, leave him alone. Just leave let him, him alone. live his fucking life. He owes you nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's I, I wish people would get that through their head. Like, it doesn't matter how big of a fan you are. It doesn't matter how many of their records you've bought or how many of their movies you've gone to see. Mm-hmm. They owe you nothing. Yeah, they no, made they, don't. they made a th- they made a thing. You bought the thing. The transaction is over. <laughs> like they owe you nothing. And, you know, but there are there are some people that you just you cannot convince them. They They feel like they have some right to intrude on that person because, well, they're famous enough. They can take it or they're rich enough. They can take it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have all that money, you know, they, and it's like, all right, you know, (laughs) just fucking leave people. Just please just leave people alone. Mm -hmm. I mean, even when I met, um, no shit. I can't remember her name. Uh, she's Australian actress. Oh, is this, uh, yeah. you, is this uh, Kate Blanchett? You met Kate her at a, at a Giants yeah. game? At something? a Giants yeah. game. 
Yeah. I said, I'll just approach her like she's a parent. Right. Mm -hmm. And we were with at that moment, we were just two parents with their kids at a fucking ballpark. I didn't need anything more than that. You know, I didn't need to go, oh, you're so great. This, that, the other thing. I didn't. (laughs) You were so great as Elizabeth. Yeah. I mean, Elizabeth, the golden age, not so much, but the first one was terrific. I've ran into or seen a lot of famous people. Well, not a lot, Mm. but I mean, enough of them. And most of them, it's like, oh, look at that bird. And you don't go up to them and just fucking (laughs) bother them at all, right? Unless you're engaged with them, right? Unless, you you know, Paul Newman says, excuse me, or get out of my way or whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, just have a normal exchange. But I've never been in a position where I wanted to go up and take a picture and talk about bullshit that they already know Yeah, or ask for an autograph or, yeah, it's like just... Here's yeah. the thing. If someone's famous from TV, never, ever ask them about an episode. About, yeah. oh, an episode, what you would call it, because they're not going to remember. They it's, don't yeah, exactly. give a shit. Right. I, I saw I, I saw an interview a couple months ago. Actually, it was more than a couple. It was earlier this year when when season three of Star Trek Picard was, was still actually coming out. Yeah. And and there was a Brent Spiner was on a podcast. And they got to the end of the podcast and they were at, they were asking him questions that like fans had submitted, like from Twitter and stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, it was something like, like, what's, what's a lesson you learned from playing data on TNG? Jesus Christ. And, and Brent Spiner, I mean, he was, tra- he was trying not to be rude about it or anything, mm-hmm. but he kind of just shrugged and shook his head and said, you know, I was just trying to remember my lines. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it's like, you know, first of all, that was like 30 years ago. And yeah, he's data. It's a big part of his life. But he probably with maybe a few exceptions, if there was like a particular episode or a particular experience that really meant something to him for the most Uh part, these people and they don't remember every fucking thing that happened on the show. No, because most of them don't even remember everything from a fucking movie they made either. Because because they're professional actors, and as soon as you learn your lines for this episode, and then you shoot the episode, you've got to learn your lines for the next episode. Mm-hmm. They're not worried. I mean, they're not storing everything in permanent memory. They're human no. beings. They have a job to do, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, that one's done. Time for the next thing. Time to and memorize of, another they don't fucking even ten have, pages of dialogue. They don't have time to watch the episode after they, you know, after they've done no. it. You know, they've, they, you know, it's, it's episodic television. You, you do 26 of these fucking things a year, but the fans expect them to have the same memory for the stuff as they do. And they don't. And that, if I could hammer home anything, it's like, please don't expect the actors to be a fan of themselves. Yeah. A lot of actors are weird about even watching their own stuff. Oh yeah. Cause it is weird. I can tell you that right now. So, you know, the idea, like, I know there are so many actors, like big time movie star actors who, whenever they're, mm-hmm. I've seen it multiple times where they're asked about stuff like that in interviews, like, what's your favorite one of your movies? Mm-hmm. And they'll say like, I mean, unless I go to the premiere, I don't see the movie. I did. You know, like how I, many episodes of Opinionville did I do? Oh 430, God, something bunch. like that. Oh, yeah. How yeah. many times did I appear on that fucking show? A handful of times. Yeah, yeah. Not you, you were. Want to know puppet. why? You weren't. Because yeah, I yeah. don't like watching me perform. 
Mm-hmm. They, you know, everyone says, oh, you're so funny. And then I'm like, I don't, I don't want to watch my own performance right. at all. Um, and it's simply because um, I'm, I'm my worst critic. Yeah. I am my worst critic. I will shit all over myself and yeah. shit all over my performance. It does not matter if everyone on the fucking planet tells me, oh, no, you were great. I'll be like, no, in my head, I'll be like, no, it wasn't. Yeah. I fucking sucked. You're crazy that you think I'm now I did a good job. I am the same way as far as that goes. I am the same way where if I think I did something wrong, it doesn't matter if everybody else says it was great. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you're wrong. I fucked that up. I should have done this instead. Like I'm I'm the same way, but I watch my shit all the time. Mm-hmm. I know I'm, you I'm do. such a fucking I'm you a love fucking yourself. egomaniac. You I just... am a fucking egomaniac. I watch my own videos and think, God, I'm fucking you good. have a body and pillow of yourself. Of myself. Yes, yes. Um, and I, I I buy two of every shirt, so it's always wearing the same thing I'm wearing. But um, no, I mean, but, but yeah, I I I I definitely understand the. Yeah, and I will say this also: if if I make a mistake in one of my videos, or if there's like a, like a an a, a, you know like a wrong edit, or if I'm doing like a green screen thing and I and it's not you know if there's just a little technical flaw in it, even if nobody who watches it notices, even if you go through the comment section and nobody ever says anything about it, I, I know it's there. I see all of your. <laughs> I know all of your mistakes. Steve. I know it's there, and it drives me crazy. And I think, why didn't I watch it one more time before I uploaded it? You know, um, and and I think part of that is is just a natural. You know, I mean, I'm not nearly as neurotic as a lot of like actual professional actors are, but mm-hmm. I feel like you need you need to have a little bit of that, a little bit of that insecurity, and a little bit of that neurosis, and a little bit of that. Oh, gee, is it is it really good enough? Did I do a good enough job? Does everybody mm-hmm. hate me? Do I just suck? You know, like you need to have a little bit of that you know, to kind of drive, to keep, to drive you forward, to give you something to sort of chase after. Sure. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, un- unless, I mean, God, there's even, there, there's like fucking writers and directors who can't speak as fluently about their mm-hmm. own work as the, the super fans yeah. can, let alone the actors. Yeah. So, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I think Perfect Blue is great is because we just had, this opened up this entire conversation that we just had. Sure. And one of my favorite things is that when someone makes a movie in which you can have an entire conversation about what was fundamentally being said about the movie. And, and, and that's what one of these things, that's, that's what perfect blue is. It opens up this entire, this entire um, uh, topic of what is appropriate, what is inappropriate, what, you know, what do these people have to live with? You know, what are the, you know, we still get people who are criticizing stars for doing certain things in public. I mean, look at all the shit we put on Britney Spears. Oh I'm my not God. A, I'm not a Britney Spears fan. I never particularly liked her music, right? No, but that's not really the point. But when after she a was having point, an yeah. obvious mental breakdown. Yeah. What did the public do? Piled on. Yeah. They piled on. They made it worse. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, there's 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 an element of I think it's 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 part of the nature of a lot of us, unfortunately, and it's not a good quality that we have, but a lot of us have it. And it's amplified by elements in the media who know that and realize it's a good way 
to attract attention and attract mm-hmm. and keep an audience. And it's that we 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 like to gawk at the freak. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see someone who's having a meltdown, you know, of course, you would like to think, well, I'm going to be a compassionate human and I'm going to reach out and try to help. Or at the very least, I'm not going to watch and embarrass them even more. I'm but definitely no, not going to help. Right. Yeah. You're not gonna... There's a part of us that's like, oh, I want to gawk at the freak. I want to see what happens. I want to see how far she'll go. I want to see what happens mm-hmm. next. And oh, I can't wait until really... they have a complete breakdown. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. And that's a really mm-hmm. ugly part of human nature that is encouraged <laughs> by a large element of, of entertainment well, there's media. Also, we have this thing where someone is breaking down, obviously, and what you hear is, well, famous people have no reason to break down. Fuck them. Fuck them. They brought it on yeah. themselves. They fucking deserve it. I mean, look at how much shit. Oh, what's her name? God damn it. Redhead, child actor. Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Got it in two. Two clues. Look how much fucking shit she's had, you know, that she's had to put oh. up with from the yeah. public. Yeah. You know, and everyone's passing judgment on what she does. And, oh, she was in good in this. And, oh, she's done this, that, and the mm. other thing. And it's like, how about this? You leave her the fuck alone. I'm yeah. not a Lindsay Lohan fan. But how's how about this? Leave her the fuck alone. Yeah. Can't you just do that? And yeah, funny how be- once again yeah. there are very few male celebrities that they're doing this with. We oh we'll bring one up. What's his face from the Flash? He's having a oh, very oh, public Ezra Miller. Ezra, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. And there well, have been and that's some the others. thing. I just watched that that fucking uh, documentary about um, Army Hammer. His fucked up life and his oh my fucked God. up family. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, I hope he gets hit by a truck because yeah. he's a fucking God damn it. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, it yeah, it just it goes back to what I was saying earlier about like all other things being equal. If you see a celebrity out in the leave wild, leave them a fuck alone. Leave them alone. And and if you are a reporter or a fucking paparazzi photographer or whatever. If you're a paparazzi photographer, you're the scum of the earth. Yeah, I don't just care what go happens f- to you. Like go, you, yeah. you contribute, you contribute nothing good to society. You do nothing. You create mm-hmm. nothing. You look for famous people out shopping for shoes and you try to make their life miserable so that you can sell pictures of them to people. You're 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 yeah. scum. George Clooney is completely right about you. Fuck you. <laughs> um but like but yeah, but like if if you see a famous person. If a famous person is, if they're not promoting something, like, look, if they're like out and they're at an event and they have a movie coming out or an album coming out or something, yeah, sure, talk to them, ask them about stuff. But if you see someone like out with their kids, taking their kids to school, leave them the fuck alone. Or trying to eat. There's no reason. Yeah. If you see them at a restaurant, leave them the fuck alone. Mm -hmm. There is no reason for you to approach that person ever. Or if you're in a situation where the two of you happen to be doing, I hate to bring it up, but the same thing with Cape yeah. Chat. If you just well, happen that, that to mean, be doing something at the same time with someone, treat them like a goddamn person. That and that sounds like the kind of interaction that you would have with anybody in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like making exactly. like making small like elevator talk. Like if you're in if you're in if you find yourself in an elevator with Toby McGuire, mm-hmm. you know, well, okay, you would probably make small talk with somebody no matter who they were. You know, yeah. so don't be a fucking dick about it. Don't like gush <laughs> all over the place and make it weird. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, make some small talk like you would with anybody. But yeah. if you see, you know, somebody famous like across the rooms at the airport, mm-hmm. like, mind your fucking business. Leave them alone. Let them wait for their fucking plane like you're waiting for yours. Yeah. You know, exactly. I would. The yeah. thing that I always remember, the thing that I will always remember is I'm walking. I'm walking home and walking up the street towards me is Spalding Gray. Mm-hmm. And he, we, our eyes meet, and what I see is abject terror in his face. He's afraid. The abject say terror of yeah. holy shit! Someone's recognized me. I'm going to have to have that conversation. Yeah, I can't escape gracefully have, from this interaction. Yeah, right. I'm going to have to either pretend to be happy to see them and make small talk or whatever, and instead, I just walk past him. Right. Yeah. So that I I was like, it was enough for me to say, oh shit, that's Spalding Gray, and just keep walking. Right. right. Um, and I think that uh, for a lot of people, the walls, I, I think that with the internet and everything else, those walls are coming down, and more and more people are approaching famous people all the time. And some yeah. set themselves up for it because their persona on, in media is i'm totally happy all the time and people can come up and talk to me and yeah i'm super approachable and yeah the the rock has done it a lot right yeah dwayne johnson has done it a lot where yeah he's meeting with fans or whatever and doing stuff and and don't get me wrong i think it's great so long as it's genuine right sure from what i've heard a lot of the study and interactions that he has with other people is genuine it's not set up yeah. for cameras all the time. It's not set up, you know, he'll, we, you will hear stories about him meeting fans where he's done something great, right, with them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because the press agent said do it, right? It was because right. he was just in the same place. So he was in the neighborhood. Anyway, yeah, sure. Yeah. We need to, Steve. Yes. Recommend good movie, <laughs> classic <laughs> yes, movie. Yes. Re- Highly recommend. Very, Highly very, recommend. very good movie. Very, Me very too. good. Movie. Very yes. good movie. Highly recommend. And now it's time for us to not recommend something, Steve. <laughs> what do you not recommend? Well, like, like, like I was saying, there are plenty of movies where plot twist. It's a dual personality. You know, <laughs> there, they, they, those became especially popular in the '90s when when uh-oh. this movie also came yeah. out. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. turns out. <laughs> uh-oh split personality <laughs> you know it seems That's, like oh let me if guess we, if we ever make a movie where <laughs> we'll where we want to do a psychological we want to do a psychological thriller we'll call it uh-oh split personality and if you can yeah. do that on the poster uh-oh well because i mean you remember um the script that uh Charlie Kaufman's brother is writing an adaptation. Yes, I do. Is is a is a it's like a split personality it's... thriller movie, and and his big, his well, big he's twist turning, is he's turning a book about finding orchids in Florida into a psychological into, yeah. thriller. Into right? a psychological thriller about a split personality, mm-hmm. and and it turns out that his big twist is instead of a person with two personalities, they've got three. <laughs> And and there's like I it's, I mean there are so many funny jokes in that movie. That's such a great movie. The, I should go back uh, my and watch favorite in joke in yeah. that. He doesn't have a twin brother. In no. real life, he does not no. have a twin brother. 
No, he does. But no, there is no put twin himself brother. Himself yeah. as the main character of this. Yeah. Fuck. He was supposed to sit yeah. down and do an adaptation of an actual yeah. book with these yeah. actual people in it, and That's he fictionalized true. the entire thing from top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's I, like I said. I've, I need to go back and watch it again because I haven't seen it for a long time. But it's so mm-hmm. funny. And but to me, one maybe I think the the first time I watched it. The hardest that I laughed at it, and there are so many big laughs in the movie, but the hardest I laughed at it was when the the twin brother is showing Charlie the script and he, and he holds out like the, the printed out draft of it. And you just see mm-hmm. it kind of slide into the frame from the side. And he says, I called it the three. And I just <laughs> fucking lost it <laughs> because it's like the most generic fucking title for that oh, movie. You could put. And he's saying like, it's like, I finally cracked it, Charlie. This is my masterpiece. <laughs> I call it the three. I'm like, Oh my <laughs> fucking God, that's funny. But anyway, so there's, so there's a lot of, split personality movies out there oh yeah um and most of them suck and oh, the, yeah. one, the one that i'm going to to not recommend is is a movie with a, a split personality character that sucks um and it stars drew barrymore mm-hmm. from from the period in her career when she was kind of going through the same sort of thing that, you know, you describe Miley Cyrus going through where she was a grown up now and she was going to show that she wasn't a child actor anymore and she was going to do adult things. And she made a movie mm-hmm. called Doppelganger. That's a little on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> I know it kind of gives it away in the title, doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it's a movie called Doppelganger where she plays um, a, a young woman who has been accused of murder and she's like um, moved to a, to a new city because like she's sort of had these accusations like following her around and she's trying to start her life over again. And and she keeps thinking that she, it's kind of like a black swan thing where she keeps thinking she's being followed by like an evil twin. You know, she sees someone who looks just like her mm-hmm. and then, you know, people, people around her start getting attacked and killed. And she's like, Oh, it's my evil twin. Who's doing it. You know? And of course, spoiler alert, it turns out that it's actually her. She mm-hmm. has a split personality, but what? there's an additional twist. She doesn't just have a split personality. It turns out that when she was um, a fetus in the womb, she had a twin and then she absorbed the twin. So I guess it's the evil twin that she absorbed in the womb. That's killing people. God. It's fucking nuts. It's nuts. Um, I wonder if not never nuts heard of a, this movie. Not nuts in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Nuts in a bad way. Okay. My um, turn. So there my you go. Turn. that's the one I'm not Suck. recommending. Doppelganger. Go ahead. Okay. Well, as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and so it's 1998. And rather than do another psychological thriller, because there are tons that I could say, fuck them, fuck them. <laughs> I just want to do a compare and contrast, so we just watched an animated sure. movie that had us talk for half an hour about, you know, the subject matter. And in the meantime, in the United States, our animated movie was a movie called Quest for Camelot, which was a fucking bucket of shit that no one should have watched. It was just crap. So Quest for Camelot made for children that no one liked Mm, compared to Perfect Blue (laughs) and a a grown-up movie for grown-ups that just happens to be animated. What is the deal in the United States about not being able to make grown-up fucking cartoons. 
for grownups. Uh, well, I, and you know, I mean, that's a big thing. And also, I mean, even beyond animation, how many times have we seen where you you they make like a brilliant film in France or Poland or Germany or Italy, and then mm. they do an American or Japan. And then they do an American remake and it's one of the worst movies you've ever seen. <laughs> and it's like, okay, how, like, mm. why do we keep screwing away? Like some, some film executive will see this movie at a festival or something. And it'll be like, Oh, that was fantastic. We should do a, an, an English language version of that. And it's like, and it's nothing it's about the original. Yeah. Nothing mm. about the original that made it good is there. It's complete yeah. fucking garbage. Well, this isn't exactly, I mean, quest for Camelot is, a, is one of Warner brothers movie that they sunk a bunch of money in and they had a bunch of tie-ins and it turns out, Oh mm. wait, the movie needs to be good. And <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> what about the movie? <laughs> this. And, and here's the other reason why uh, quest for Camelot is the reason why the iron giant didn't get publicized. Mm. Yeah, arguably one of the best animated movies to come out in the last fifty years. Oh yeah, for sure. Got buried because Quest for Camelot, in which they were trying desperately to be Disney, mm -hmm. and had no original ideas, no good songs, no nothing, and they had all of these tie-ins and all of this other stuff tanked. That they went, oh well, that means all cartoons are bad, and then. <laughs> Had, yes, because they, they always learn the wrong lesson. This brilliant masterpiece that's supposed to, that's going to be coming out soon, where they had audiences coming back and giving like one hundred percent. We really love this movie. What a fucking fantastic movie! And the executives were like, yeah, but quit for Camelot. Your butt still hurt from from that <laughs> being bad. So we're gonna just fuck the Iron Giant. We're barely gonna fuck publish you. it. Yeah. And now it's now it's a cherished movie, right? Yeah. But it was nearly killed because Quest for Camelot sucked that bad. So don't see it. Quest for Camelot. Hey, Steve. Yes, sir. You know what time it is? It's time for me to make a terrible choice. That's right, buddy boy. It's time for you to make a terrible choice. And we're, di we're diving back into a director who so far I haven't liked. Oh, boy. So far on this show, I have not liked. You know what director that is? What director is that? Alfred Hitchcock, baby. Oh, oh, that's right. You, you're the contrarian. You gave a, a bad review to Vertigo, and mm -hmm. what was the other one of his that we did? The Beards. The Birds. The, yeah, the beards. that's right. The, the Beards. Birds. The Beards. The Beards. The Beards. I said half of the Birds was good. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for you to pick three movies. You don't know what these movies are. A, B, or C. You got to pick one, and that's going to be the subject of our next review. Most of the hardcore fans know exactly what I'm doing to you at this point. If you're new, yes. yeah, I'm torturing him. So you whatever. Yes. I ultimately right. get to blame him if it's a movie that I didn't want to watch. So, Steve, A, B, or C, mm -hmm. which Alfred Hitchcock movie are we going to review this time around? A. Oh, look at that okay. face. For people who can't see... He's making, he doesn't okay. look happy. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. Had you chosen B, the one that I wanted you to choose, mm -hmm. we would have reviewed Psycho. Ah, hey, that's a classic. Mm hmm. Had you chosen mm -hmm. C, we would have done North by Northwest. Oh, another great one. A oh. movie that I haven't seen in a very long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. But instead, we're going for the other Jimmy Stewart fucking movie. 
The movie we're going to review next is the Alfred Hitchcock classic, Rear Window. (laughs) There's something going on over there. That's where. Rear Window. Looks like someone died. Oh, no. You guys guys get to suffer through that next time Ah, we do it. Hope you like like shitty Jimmy Stewart impressions. Unending Jimmy Stewart. Oh, if you want to get all the jokes, then please watch Rear Window before our next review. And that's it. We're fucking done. I think we've blathered on enough <laughs> for late seating. This has been Jason Harding and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. I'll just leave you with what my mother said to me. The first time I brought home a report card with a B on it. Nobody cares for you anymore. You're tarnished and you're filthy. Jesus Christ. Really? Yeah, she was, yeah, she I mean she cared a lot about my education, you know, like she wanted <laughs> me to get those straight A's and when I got a B I brought home that B in penmanship and she was just like, "Nope, fuck this. Fuck you. We're gonna fuck com- this." I'm going to commend you at least the, it wasn't your father this time around, it was your mom who seldom ever gets featured in your slandering your continued continued slandering of your family <laughs> when it comes to the, the ending quotes that we're supposed to sign out on and you know what did your dad do this week to, to, to give him such a free pass he buy you some ice cream oh, it was his, you know Say it, it something was his nice birthday. about you it was his birthday it was his birthday oh so, i get you know, it I didn't and wanna... he begged you over his over his birthday cake to please he said when please you, just when yeah, you sign yeah. off for the next late seating please just don't drag my name through the fucking mud again and exactly like, exactly this time dad i promise for you just this once because who knows how many more birthdays you'll have (laughs) jesus christ but now you're gonna oh you don't talk to your mom i was gonna say you're gonna have to suffer through talking to your mom about it this time but you don't yeah fuck right i mean and and the sad irony of that is of the two of them mom is probably the only one who knows what a podcast is really so she could be listening to this right now some something tells me not, but perhaps. Well, just in case. Hi, hi. I'm 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 your son's <laughs> best friend. We've seldom ever mentioned you. It's been eight years. That should tell you something, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? You leave my Stevie alone. You leave him alone. He's better off without you. How about that? I'll stand up for you. How about you that? Go. Thank you, man. I appreciate no, no it. Problem. I appreciate it. That's why I dress like him, and I wear this hat, and I put the beard on. <laughs> and I'm I'm wearing an Orioles t-shirt just like he is right now. Yeah. Fucking Orioles. <laughs> first first place, by the way. I know, fuck it. They were due. It's been how long? Forty second best record years. in baseball. Second best record in baseball. Good for them. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm on can I tell you something? I'm still kind of waiting for them to blow it. <laughs> like I just I have that in me. I have it in me. It's happened so many times. I mean, I feel like I'm like, no, I know they're unless they completely collapse, they're at least gonna make the postseason this year. They've had a great year. Mm-hmm. But I'm I mean it it happens so often where it's like, oh the Aurors are doing good. Oh wait, never mind. So I'm just I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Do you hear that? What's that? That's the rising panic of our audience thinking we're about to talk about baseball. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> So we're just going to cut it off. Okay, bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. 
Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Let Me Listen. And thanks for listening.